Hi, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. For months, we take time to prepare and educate ourselves on this new adventure of motherhood. But as we all know, once the baby is born, we're still left with so many questions and need all the help we can get. Women really should have a sense of empowerment as they begin to experience these life-changing moments. And no one mother has it all figured out. However, the more informed we are, the better decisions we can make that will positively affect us and our family. And that's what this podcast is about. Sharing honest, raw, and real conversations about motherhood, life, and all of the crazy, messy, beautiful in-betweens to hopefully educate, empower, and support the next mother on her motherhood journey. So sit back and enjoy. As a busy mom, I need style, simplicity, and convenience when it comes to my wardrobe. And I am so glad that I learned about Modern Mom Style Box. It's been a game changer for me. It's a monthly clothing rental subscription service where you stock your virtual closet and receive a box of cute styles that you've selected. You can try them on and either hang on to them for the month, you can purchase them at a reasonable price, or you can just return them in a prepaid shipping label when you're done. And you can receive multiple boxes with your month's subscription. Sizes go up to 4X and they have popular brands like Ann Taylor, Banana Republic, French Connection, and more. I want you to try it yourself for free for one month. So head on over to www.modernmomstyle.com to start your free trial today and tell them that Nicole from Mamas Know Best sent you. Hello and welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I am on with a very special guest, Mrs. Miss Arian Rashid. Thank you so much for coming on. She is the founder and CEO of Tremble, a chain of boutique Pilates studios in South Florida and growing. Ariane focuses primarily on strategy and vision, as well as oversight on operations in the company. She and her team work with a wide variety of clientele from beginners to professional athletes. As a former lawyer who started the business out of a passion, Ariane has used her skill set to scale a company without taking outside capital. She holds degrees from the University of California at Berkeley, Stanford. Stanford and the University of Miami and wants to use her education and experience to continue to empower women and the youth to enter into the entrepreneurship space while giving back to the community she works with. She's a former Lululemon ambassador, a featured speaker and moderator at the NFL Business Combine, as well as numerous business podcasts. She also sits on the board for the Sabrina Cohen Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to improving the lives of people living with disabilities through fitness and wellness program. Thank you so much for coming on. Before we go into the meat and potatoes of your background and starting Tremble, I like to go through my icebreaker round. So it's just a few questions. What is your favorite book? My favorite book is From Good to Great. Okay. And the author, do you know by hand? Collins, I believe. Okay. What is your superpower? Oh, being able to work under pressure. Mm, That's a good one. If you could travel back in time, what period or year would you like to go to? Senior year of high school. Oh, nice. Yes. If you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? That's a great question. I'd probably go to Colorado. Yeah, Colorado is beautiful. And what are you most looking forward to in 2022? more personal and professional development for myself and for the business. We love it. Okay, so now I shared a tremendous bio of yours. Do you want to tell my listeners maybe a little bit more about yourself, what it was like to go to law school, why you picked law school, copies, and then we'll get into all things Tremble. Yeah, I mean, I think I have a story that's a little bit atypical for an entrepreneur. I had a very academic background, which I loved. I, as I said, I, I wish I could go back to senior year of high school for a reason. I actually had a great time in school and academics was something that, you know, I very much enjoyed. And one thing that was a constant in my life, and we all go through our ups and downs through all stages of our life. But one thing that was a constant for me was, you know, having some kind of outlet. And that for me was fitness. And it, for me, fitness never really, really meant an aesthetic of any sort or type. It's just more about feeling empowered, having a sense of strength, being the strongest version of yourself emotionally and physically. My background was very academic. And honestly, at the time, I never even thought I would be a business owner in any capacity. And I went to law school to be a professor. I just like didn't know what kind of professor I would be. <laughs> so fast forward, I graduated from law school and practiced for a bit, had a very good experience. A lot of times you hear about like recovering lawyers and you know that, that sort of situation. I actually had a great experience in the law. I had an amazing boss. I had, you know, 
great jobs, but I just felt that I'd love to start. I wanted to start a side business. And I, you know, in retrospect, I didn't really know it. Like there's no such thing as a side business, but you put, when you, once you put your all into something, you're all in, I guess I heard this term side business or side hustle or whatever it was. And I was like, yeah, I could probably have a Pilates studio on the side. But you know, when I entered that space, I realized that very quickly um, into entering it, I realized that I really needed to be all in to make this work. And from there, you know, everything sort of changed. But, you know, I think the main thing is that Pilates was really the vehicle. It wasn't, the, you know, it wasn't the end all be all. It was just kind of the vehicle to be able to impact communities, get involved in outreach, to be able to empower other people to do what they do best. And also just there was a different form of education and being able to reach pe- reach out to people. So for me, the fitness thing just had a, it, it was the vehicle to creating a bit, you know, higher purpose, I think for myself and for hopefully for the community as well. That's awesome. Let me ask, what field or what study of law did you do? Was it corporate law? Like, how, what what was that like? Yeah. So, I mean, I loved I loved studying international law. Like, that was very fun for me in international business. That was I did my I my master's in international policy. So, I wanted to continue with that theme when I got into law school. And then once I graduated, I actually ended up. Um, getting my feet wet into in, in intellectual property. So like trademark and, you know, dispute litigation on like I specifically did software dispute litigation, such a different area of law, but like it allowed me to practice and to, you know, at least get some practice before I went out there into the real world. Because at some point, you know, in the business, particularly, you learn to represent yourself, you learn to read your own contracts, you learn to, you learn to deal with your own employees, you kind of it's brings it sort of a different sophistication to the table. I think as a business owner, you definitely don't need to go to law school to be in business. But for me, I definitely wish that actually more lawyers would consider entrepreneurship. And I wish it was at the time, I wish it was emphasized more that this was an opportunity, you know, that entrepreneurship was an area that lawyers could delve into right after law school. I I see it more and more now, which is great for the um, younger generation to see how people can tie in entrepreneurship. The only kind of entrepreneurship we knew then was like starting your own practice, but I, we didn't see it in, in other facets in the curriculum at the time, but now it's being emphasized more and more, which I love to see because you see that the barrier to entry, I mean, like you can enter into the space and a lot of young people without capital are able to enter in with like just a lot of vigor and being able to like quickly raise money and you don't have to quickly raise money. You know, I never took any outside capital, as you mentioned in my bio. Maybe one day, just not there yet. (laughs) And we're going to get into, you know, how many studios there are and building that because I think that's something to really be proud of, you know, to say that you didn't take any outside capital when this was all pretty much self-funded. But I think you make such a valid point in saying it would make sense that someone who's a lawyer, like entrepreneurship would almost make sense because like you, you kind of have all of the characteristics without even realizing that they're kind of all there. And not that they specifically that someone who's a lawyer has to be an entrepreneur, but it just makes sense that that transition was there. Now, it's funny because when you start a business, you know, you have to wear multiple hats, admin, your marketing, your your everything. What was that like to wear the multiple hats when you were like, whoa, when did you have to bring someone on, let's say, or get some outsourcing in? And then two, how long was it before you were like, okay, I can't balance both? You know, what was that time frame like where you're like, yeah, I think I have to step away from being a lawyer because this is really taking off? I think that what I was trying to do at first was trying to do both at once. And I just felt like I wasn't going to be good at one or the other unless I made a decision at the time. And I know that's a scary thing to do sometimes because, you know, one might be the opportunity, you know, creating the income opportunity for the next thing. So I know that that's not always an opportunity. But I think what I did is I had saved enough aside where I felt like I had enough for an initial investment. And then I felt like I could get all into the business because I start to see like a turn in the business where people begin, you know, started to return into the business. And to your question that you asked was like, you know, when did you, well, first of all, in the very beginning, you're definitely bootstrapping. I mean, you're learning all facets of the business. And that is a major challenge because if you have no, you know, no experience in let's say marketing or advertising or accounting, or these are basic things, but like, there are a lot of things that you don't take in law school. And there's a lot of things that you don't even take in undergrad. You can avoid these things, you know, and lawyers, a lot of times they avoid numbers, which is not a great thing to try to avoid when you're going to business, because it's probably the most important skill set to have, you know, is just understanding basic finances. 
So, you know, in the beginning, I really did learn trial and error. That's how I got into everything, you know, with marketing, at least I knew a little bit of everything, a little bit of, you know, I tried to get involved in the Instagram and the ads and all that kind of stuff and just get a feel of the lay of the land, you know, teaching, I got involved in teaching, which I really love. And, you know, that's, I thought that was a really important and a real part of the business because as I'm starting to build a team, I want to make sure that I know who, what I want in the business and what clients want. So before you know, I, I went out there and tried to build a team. I also wanted to, you know, get a feel for what was needed for the business. And then the general operational stuff, like being there, understanding, understanding the space, living and breathing the customer experience. And, and you know, the one thing I think I didn't learn, partic- particularly because I didn't have an entrepreneurial background or, you know, an entrepreneurial family in any sense, customer service was probably one of the toughest things to learn right after law school, you know, law school is teaching you what's fair and unfair, what's right and wrong. And then you're sitting in customer service and you are not right anymore. You are there, you know, at the service of your client. And that's a really, really important aspect to learn. So I did do a lot of learning in the beginning and learning different facets of the business. And that was integral into being able to grow because then, you know, I started to look for people that could do things that were better than me, that were smarter than me, that could take the business to the next level in ways that I could not in the moment. And so, you know, it starts layer by layer, you know, it's kind of like letting go. Some people are much faster at this. I have a little bit of analysis paralysis. So I tend to like think things through a little bit more. I have friends that are able to like just bring people in very quickly and it's not a problem for them. But I think I'm just a little bit more cautious. I've been more conservative. And I think when you are self-funding, it's one of those things where it's like you are careful about how you spend your money because you don't, you know, part of, you know, building companies that you want to build something to last and you want to create legacy. And so I didn't want to have this, you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to, you know, just overspend in the first, in Q1 of this business. I want to say, okay, what can I save on? What can I be lean on? But, you know, maintain the quality of the business still. So it's, it's, it's a constant process. There's no particular formula for it. But when I did find people that were better than me, that taught better than me, that managed people better than me, and also some of that is, you know, giving you the ability to have more time to do what you need to do best in the company. So if I found a bookkeeper, and you know, I used to do all the the bookkeeping entries, at some point, you outsource that. And it's like, it frees up your day to do other things. Like, you know, I say strategy and growth, I'm still heavily involved in the business as well. But um, you know, it frees you up to do the things that you're really good at and the things that you want to do, because if you're happy in doing what you want to do, it's going to be successful and it's going to show. So I would say it took a little while, you know, bringing on assistants and bringing on people that can do different functions of the business. And I slowly began to build up from there. And every year I brought on more and more people, more and more instructors, more and more master instructors, you know, more and more people that can help me on the financial level, thinking about cash flow and thinking how to move forward the business. And then once you assemble a team of people that I think that represent your brand and and part of that by the way is letting go of things that don't work too very quickly so it's like it's a constant process not just bringing people on it's letting things go in the process and that's the tricky part especially if you're you know if you're somebody who's used to sort of doing things for yourself and knowing that you can you know have x you know x output and y input it's just it's a little challenging when you don't see things get done the way that you do so part of it is taking out the emotional side of it and looking at this from a business perspective also and being able to make efficient decisions and you know the decisions that that you would want your you know business to abide by because you have a fiduciary duty to your company to make the right decisions and they can't just be emotional no for sure and you you touched on some pretty big um, nuggets right there. But before I even dive into a little bit piece of that, what is the Tremble workout and where did the name come from? What is it? Yeah, so it's a high intensity, low impact, 15 minute, usually group class workout. It combines the best of strength training, cardio and Pilates inspired movements all in one. So most of our classes are group classes. So anywhere between any anywhere in, in a class between like nine and 15 people, they're on reformers that we, you know, that we have for our studios. And you can do over 800 exercises plus on these machines. We have a systematic way about how we create routines and how we execute. They're usually with like really fun music and a high intensity, you know, environment with a really great instructor and fun music. So it's, it's an overall experience. And then we also have a, you know, private model as well for those that want to come one-on-one. Also something particularly that was important, particularly during COVID, you know, having a private model and small group classes, which 
we can talk about later too, about like, we, you know, we were able to survive, you know, COVID, which was amazing. And then Tremble has like a, the name actually has a dual purpose. Like one is because in the workout while you're working out, the intensity is high. And so you physically shake. So there's a little tremble while you're doing it. And then there's an, there's a deeper meaning behind it, which is, you know, tremble when, when the earth is trembling, it's usually a sign of transformation. So I think a lot of times when people tremble, they're fearful, but usually when people are feel fearful, it usually is a sign of change ahead in some capacity. And so like, I like that idea of the earth trembling and then, you know, there's always something coming, coming out of that and that it can be a sign of transformation ahead. So I really like that dual meaning that it had like a fun, physical aspect to it and then also like a mental aspect to it which is and funny enough we you know we had that name during the pandemic so that and that really like changed i think the ethic of our team and the brand and being able to survive such a you know challenging time for brick and mortar and actually that's a good segue into it so i do have a question here it says how, how did tremble transition and thrive during the pandemic because i did hear you speak at a recent conference and i was inspired by that so talk a little bit about that changes you had to make and then how you thrived because if i remember correctly you actually opened some studios during the pandemic yeah, we did. So what was interesting was, I mean, I said my superpower, I believe, I hope is is that working under pressure. And that's something that I, I think I've been pretty good at. But when this whole thing happened, I know it was difficult on everyone, not just like, a, you know, forget fitness, you know, health and everything was paramount, safety was paramount. And we sort of went back to the books, we said, Okay, you know, well, we're at well, we are mandated to shut down, which was very important. So let's go back and let's how do we create the user experience one at home by creating, you know, a digital platform for people to be able to log on to classes. So even even we even used Instagram to be able to reach out to people to do that as well. Then once things got a little bit, you know, as soon as the restrictions started easing, we started to come back with people. Well, we did privates first, one-on-ones. We wouldn't let anybody be inside the studio except the instructor and the client in a safe and distance capacity. So there were all sorts of restrictions on how people could come back, enhanced cleaning standards. And then we did smaller group classes and then we kept it like we kept it really, really small, actually, for a very long time. But we gained the trust of the client. And we just always wanted to do the right thing. I'd never wanted to be the studio that just wanted to make money during that time. For us, it was also just important to show the community that we want to do better, better than just making money. And that's, listen, it's tough. I think anybody who's in this industry who shut their doors, there's no judgment, because I think, like, everybody's situation was really different. You know, places in the country were not open you know, for much longer than Florida was. So it was much harder on other parts of the country, I think. And um, so I have zero judgment for anybody who had to close their doors and had to make, you know, various decisions, financial, financial decisions. There's all sorts of things that loom against owners during this time. But what we tried to do is really try to stay positive. We tried to connect virtually as much as we could. But I think we were all just so connected to the brand and one another that we really wanted to see this grow. And you cannot possibly do this without a team of people to do it. You know, I know a lot of people like left their studios. Our team really actually came together, which is, I think, one of the things that's so special about the group that we have. And then we actually ended up partnering with a local gym who I love, Anatomy, who are who is actually next door to us in one of our locations on the beach. And they, they reached out and they said, you know, do you want to kind of work together and keep, you know, our members together and just try to keep people happy in a safe environment. And I said, yeah, sure. And I think this just lends itself to, you know, you might see yourself as competitors on a day to day, but you know, when, when this kind of stuff happens, you realize that there's a bigger picture and that actually working together and collaborating ended up benefiting both of us because we ended up working together really well. Yeah, with them, you know, we opened up a few more locations during the pandemic because I think there was opportunity for us to grow. People also wanted to come back. We're boutique fitness, so it's a little bit different than being close in with other people in the same room. Like I said, we don't allow more than maximum of 15 people. And I don't think we had 15 people. We wouldn't even allow 15 people during that time. So and they're they're big spaces. So we didn't allow people to be too close to each other anyways during that time. And then we had instructors wearing masks. And I know 
know it was challenging to do. I mean, teaching a full class with a mask and a mic is it's a tough thing. But at the same time, people were so grateful just to be back and just to be able to reconnect in whatever capacity it was. So nobody was really complaining. They were just happy that we can make an experience work that was safe for everybody. So I think when you're able to work through a hard time in a business, it's actually very difficult. It's actually very, very telling. Obviously, it's much easier to work during a successful time and a period where you're growing. I think when you go through a difficult time like that, there are certain times in your life that I think change you personally and professionally when people go through things. I think this was a time where it definitely changed working through something like that. I never, because you, you see success and you, it's definitely something to be growing when the market's great and, you know, everybody likes your concept and you're moving forward. And then it's just like, whoa, this could happen to anyone. You know, you could be closed down and you're all, everything you've worked for could, you know, just feel like that. And that's the hard part about entrepreneurship. It does, it's not a linear path for most people. It's actually very rare to have a linear path for most people. It's a lot of ups and downs, you know, for people. And so it's not like that, that level of ups and downs, not, not something like mentally everybody can take. And, and I think some of it is like self-induced because naturally you are hard on yourself at certain times. But I think being able to work through that sort of adversity changes you. I think it changed the team. I think it made them stronger. And then so for us, as we came out and reemerged from the pandemic, we were just even stronger as a team. And we just wanted to grow even more as a team because we had been through such a you know, challenging moment. I think when you go through adversity and you come out the other side, which is why you have some of these entrepreneurs. And I mean, I could go through the list that we all know, the Oprah Winfrey's, the Jeff, even the Jeff Bezos, the whole gamut um, of these wildly successful people, they will tell you they either started from nothing and grew and then worked through it. Or when they did have the waves of, of entrepreneurship or even life, I think it's how you go through the adversity that gets you to the other side. Mm-hmm. I know that's something I've had to work with on my consulting side of really growing a business is working through the discouragement. I think Mm -hmm. it's so easily to get discouraged and be like, oh, am I the only one going through this? Or no one really came to this and pushing through that and working through that and saying, look, Rome wasn't built in a day. So I had to hear more of that to understand, like, don't get discouraged. And it's really during that time that I'll grow more than anything. So Mm -hmm. I'm happy that you share that story. And I will ask if you can sum it up, what do you think you really, really learned? And what did you take with you from 2020, 2021, and kind of, do you hope to continue to carry with you into 2022 and beyond? There are three stages in life that most people go through and most entrepreneurs go through. One is strength. You want to show your strength. You want to show who you are. Another might be success, right? I think part of it is just like, you know, you might be building all these locations and whatnot. But the third stage, I think for most people is significance. I think on a personal and entrepreneurial level, I think you have to have a certain significance that you want to reach in your life. And for us, because I had the mentality of like, I know this, this feels like it's more than Pilates. This feels like community. This feels like something greater than me. This feels like something that's not just about me. It's not my utility of happiness is not going to increase with an extra added studio. You know, I thought it would, okay, I'll have two and then I'll have three and then I'll have four and then I'll have five. And I'm going to, am I going to feel these increment, you know, exponential amounts? of happiness each time. And I realize it's it's a nice feeling in the moment, right? To open up a location. It feels great. Feel, you feel accomplished from that. But it's it's that significance. It's the why. It's the way you give back. It's what you do, you know, what you do with I think your success, which, you know, is the significance. And part of that is legacy and what you leave to the community. I think for you know, 2022, like after going through such a hard time, nothing seems like so difficult anymore because you realize, you know, what what were problems before that, that were like, you know, I would get in my head, you know, and daily problems or, you know, these things just would engulf me, you know, with like very various logistical issues or how I'm going to move the needle forward or how I'm going to, you know, after, after the COVID experience, I'm like, okay, this is not a, this is not a problem that should be like bring down my happiness for today. I should be able to shut this down, be grateful that, you know, I have the business, be grateful that I'm working with the people that I do and realize that there's a bigger, you know, it's not just about success, it's about significance and, you know, about being able to give back in some capacity. So I think for me, my mindset shifted and I, you know, I'm grateful for that because I think I used to be, you know, I used to be bogged down by sort of these, like what I look at now is very minute problems. 
and details like these would become big problems for me and now I'm like it's not such a big problem also I realized you know I think just on a like on a personal note you just realize that life is so short and things change so fast and that analysis paralysis that I had before where it was like I would think through these scenarios and you know so much it's just like now it's like okay you do a great job in marketing, then you take this portion of it. You do this great job on like, you know, analysis retention, you take this aspect of it and you do this good, you know, good job on the back and you take this back, back end of it. Because what I realized that I was trying to, I was striving for perfection. And I, while I, I still do that and I still strive for that in some capacity, I realized like the product perfects itself along the way too. Like you have to do something and then, you know, then you figure out along the way, okay, how do I make this better? Okay. Let's take this part away, but you have to do something. And I think that's where like a lot of people get stuck is that they're, they're afraid to put something out there that, you know, isn't quite perfect. And I get that to a certain level, that's very important, but you learn along the way. And that's why we spend so much time, even in our programming for Pilates, we spend so much time on the educational level. We have like, you know, we have quarterly educational trainings for instructors who have been with us for years. And these, these programs are geared towards making them better people, better instructors, better leaders, um, better people, hopefully overall, myself included. And these are just educational seminars that, you know, we, we hope that people grow in the process. And I think, you know, for, for me, it's just, it's, it's the why it's like, you know, why it's the significance aspect of it. That's awesome. Now, this is a motherhood podcast. So I want to ask, how do you support mothers within the Tremble community, whether through your clients or maybe even your team members? Tell, tell a little bit about that. I mean, if it wasn't for moms, I don't oh. think we'd be in business. That's for sure. That mom crowd, you know, like we, I mean, people would ask me, who's your target demographic? I'm like, the moms, you know, because the moms, they had this resilience to them, this like special uniqueness to them, this bond where they would, they, they got it so quick that it was just more than a workout. You know, it was about building community. It was about helping one another. These are women. I mean, these are women who made my business what it is today. These were all moms. You know, when we had one location Everyone's like, how do you get word of mouth? By the way, there was no Instagram when we first opened. So there, you know how I got my clients was through moms. You know, I would go to schools, I would do auctions, I would put up flyers, I would, you know, go to various events, I would go to fundraisers, whatever I could, but it was the moms that propelled my business forward. And so I will forever be grateful to particularly that core group of moms that helped me start my business and believed in in this. And this was power of referral. I'm huge on power of referral still. I think even in the day of like incredible marketing and tons of analytics and things that you can do on Instagram, I mean, three out of four of my clients are still referral. So those moms are incredibly dependent on what we do. Now, because of that, you know, we've also employed a lot of mothers. And I'm very sensitive to how to make that life work for a mom. You know, how do you make that work for somebody who has a school drop off or has to pick up their kid? Or how do you make it easy enough so that they feel like they can attend their most important priorities and also work for the business? So I am very open with like, we have a, we have a, schedule that's for, that makes it easy, I hope, for moms to be able to take on certain classes and to be able to sub out for important things because important things are like soccer games and this and that. And like what's important to me and what's important to somebody else might be different, but it, they're still important, right? And I, I think that people work best when they can live their best lives. And I think that people are, you know, in my experience, like I also know that like the mom that's probably going to come in and teach a Pilates class may also want to come and teach a yoga class in another studio. And so I've never actually enforced, I don't, I mean, we have non-competes for the studio. I'm a lawyer and I don't enforce them because I just want people really at the end of the day. And I used to have them. We barely, I think like they might be part of our onboarding documents to a certain extent, but we don't enforce. I even talked to the instructors. I'm like, you know, I just want you to be happy. And if you end up wanting to teach somewhere else, just come and talk to me and I'm happy to make it happen. I'll make an introduction. I'll make sure that you get into a good studio because I want people to feel like they're contributing in the best way possible. 
And yeah, just that mom group really, really helped the business grow. I mean, we, we still like when we look for new locations, we actually look for areas where there's like high density in mothers. Wow. That's key because I don't think I really registered until hearing you say that, but it's so true because now myself as a mom, it's like, look, if I find something that I like, we stick with it because we don't really have time to try different things. So yeah, to have mother as your core group, it would make sense because when we're in, we're like all the way in. It's like, oh, you're moving where? No, I need to follow you because like I said, it's convenient for me and I don't have the time to kind of change. So if once we're in, we're in because we have so many other things. So that's pretty awesome. I, I do want to ask, because I don't think you mentioned that either. When did Tremble start? What was the year that you first, first created like your first class? When was that? Because you said there was really no Instagram. Yeah, 2013. So like we didn't really use Instagram. I think it was just beginning. I want to say it was like 2013, 2014. I can't remember exactly when that hit. Was it probably 2013 actually? Somewhere around there. And so yeah, that then that became an important part, you know, of, of allowing the business to grow. But still, you know, we're still a people business. So you have to be around, you know, you still have to have that face contact with people and get to know people, get to know their stories and get to know a little bit about them, which I think is important. And again, the moms, then we transitioned from instructors who were, you know, who actually wanted to be moms through the process. And even in those cases, you know, I allowed people to teach as long as, you know, they, one, they physically could as, you know, directed by their doctors and as much as they wanted to really up until, and, and actually like the, it was a beautiful thing to watch, you know, pregnant women walking around that room and just crushing these workouts, you know, and in a, in a safe way, right? Like you don't want to, we, we did it in a safe way because we do a lot of pre and postnatal stuff too. And we make sure that we do it in a safe way. Then they become very aspirational fixtures of the community to like go through the pregnancy, have their time away as long as they need to, then return back and use the workout to help them feel better. And again, I, my workout was, I, I hope that one of the things that we emphasize as a pillar in Tremble is never really about an aesthetic, right? It's not about a flat tummy or, you know, a certain way that you look. It's just not something that I, I subscribe to. It's just more, it's about the strength. It's about the resilience. And so a lot of times when you were saying about the moms, a lot of times I have professional athletes come in and I got my moms come in and they're just rocking. I'm like, let me tell you who's a real professional athlete in this room today. And, you know, the athletes that we have are like, wow, the moms are unreal. And I'm like, they've been through something. That is why, you know, they've been through something and they go through something. There's a different resilience, I think, about a mother. That's just, it's different almost. And I respect, I respect tremendously, you know, all the professional athletes that we've had, but there's a special superpower about a mom. It's just not replaceable. And you can see it. You almost, you see it in the ethic, you see it in the workout, you see it in the way that they push themselves a little further or they come to that extra class when they're tired or, you know, it's just, it's that, it's that extra click. It's the extra um that they have. And in some aspects, it's, it's very similar to being an entrepreneur. That mentality is almost, it's, it's very aligned. And so I, it's, it's a higher level of, of work ethic also too. And um, it's also being real too, because as moms, you know, there are days that are just really tough. You know, like when we hear people come in and they say, okay, let me just be honest. I'm canceling class today because of X, Y, and Z. I'm like, you know what? Thank you for being honest. Like that's, that's what it's about. You know, sometimes it's just brutal honesty. You know, there, we all have that those days as humans too, you know, hopefully the studio is, is, is a place where it enhances their ability to be a mother. Hopefully as we build generations of, of people building up, you know, I, these kids see their moms work out the way they do. And they're like, oh, wow, you know, and now we start to see kids come in and it's really cool. And you see the generations of kids come in and you're like, oh, that's that's really fun to see families and moms kind of come together with their, you know, spouses or kids or whoever it might be. And that that's kind of fun to see the generational pass on. That's that's the real legacy we want to leave behind. That's awesome. So I think if I remember correctly, you have five or six locations. Seven. Oh, gosh, seven. Okay. <laughs> Ladies, are you tired of feeling overworked and under-recognized for your impact at work? And are you curious about how to do the inner work to own your worth so you can feel confident making the bold asks, negotiating for more, and creating your ideal career? 
Ashley Perret, a previous guest, is a successful leadership and negotiation coach who is offering you the special opportunity to experience the power of private coaching with her. She will give you the tools necessary to grow your career in your own terms by being authentic in tough conversations, building bridges through negotiation, and trusting that no is not the end. Head over to www.ownyourworth.com to book an exclusive 30-minute private consultation. So before I get into your daily habits and what you do for yourself, your self-care, what's next for Tremble? Three, five years, where do you see? And I do know this, it's all in Miami, correct? Yeah, I think like for us, it's getting out of our um, comfort zone, which is Miami. And I, I love Miami. I think that what's incredible about Miami since we've started the business is that it's really grown in a very diverse way in terms of pockets of Miami. So like there was like generally Coral Gables in South Miami and generally North Miami. And then you see these sub communities pop up all of a sudden, all these people move here. And it wasn't just this past year, but like there were already like, you know, developments of communities that started to come about, you know, there was like Midtown and Sunset Harbor. And like, these are, you know, different parts of Miami, which is really great. I think for us, we're very comfortable here. It's good. We feel safe. And Miami has been such an incredible city to be able to grow in. I like to push out a little bit more and start to get out in other part in other markets, other parts of South Florida and other regions, you know, maybe we're looking at potentially New York and California as well. So I think this will be a new level for the business in terms of like scaling, also trusting, which is very important too, and really, really making sure we have a process in place to be able to do this. But like you mentioned earlier, it's not just the destination, it's the journey. Being grateful for the process along the way is equally as important as reaching that goal. And I think reaching goals and having those things are super important because they, you know, they guide your everyday activity. So like you're working towards something that you believe is important every day. Having that daily gratitude of just, I'm grateful that I'm here. And I'm grateful that I'm able to service at least even one person makes me feel happy today. That's something that also came during COVID because it's like you have this moment where you realize, whoa, in just a few days that you could have everything swept under from underneath you and you can lose your footing very quickly to, you know, having that gratitude of like, I'm really grateful to even have what we have and that we can impact anyone on any level, whether it's a beginner or somebody who's hit their 1000th class in the studios. I mean, when we see those things, pop up. It's just like, I mean, I have clients in Coral Gables that are on 1100 and 1200 classes. You know, when you get to that level, it's like, these are people who have massive significance in your business. These are people who have made your business what it is. It's really not about you. It's about them at the end of the day. So these are people who have had a significant impact on the business. So we really, really value you know, we value loyalty and, you know, the ability to grow because these are, these are, by the way, these are clients who have seen us in different stages of growth. They're clients who have seen different instructors come in and out. They're clients that have worked with us through hard times and bad times and good times as well. So I think, you know, it's a completely different stage, but we're super grateful for, and I'd love to see Tremble all over. I mean, I'd love to see Tremble all over the country. Like that would be, you know, that's my dream to see that because every time I go to a market, I just can't help but think anytime I'm in a different city, I'm like, I'd love Tremble to be here. There are certain markets that I think would do, you know, Tremble would take very well. And it's a, I think it's a natural fit. And I think it's a natural fit in a lot of demographics. It's honestly just the scaling, it's the capital, it's the resources, and it's the people to be able to do that. So that's Tremble 2.0. That's awesome. It's funny when I went on your website to look and I'm like, oh, I was like, oh, Miami. And I'm like, I hope she starts making her way a little bit north because I think Fort Lauderdale would definitely be another. Yeah. It's our most requested location, actually. I'm sure. And not just because I know a lot of people think Fort Lauderdale, for those who are listening that maybe not are not in the South Florida area, you know, you have Fort Lauderdale and it's always like you think east, which it is beach, but Fort Lauderdale also encompasses, you know, Coral Springs and Plantation, um, which I am in the Springs area. But yeah, I was like, oh, I'm like, when she opens up, I will. <laughs> I saw and I'm like, God, it looks like such a great workout and something that I would be interested in. So when, when you're ready, I will definitely be watching out for that. But now I want to get into kind of your habits before we kind of wind up in here. So how do you make time for your own self-care? You know, what do you do to relax and unwind for the day? If you can also tell us maybe what some of your morning or nighttime routines are. 
Yeah. I mean, I've never lost my passion for education. I think that's one thing that like it shined through my academics. But the one thing I like, I love podcasts like this. They're fun for me. You know, I love learning from other people. I mean, I'm not the only, you know, subset of person I love. We met, you asked me my favorite book in the beginning. I, lo- I also love like podcasts, like, you know, how I built this and with Guy Raz and understanding people's stories and why they tick the way they do. Maybe it's unwinding with business, but I, I love it. You know, it's, it's a fun aspect of, of, you know, to understand understand entrepreneurship from so many different languages. So I really do like to incorporate some kind of learning throughout my day. I think meditating is very important. And it's something that I've learned very well, that it's not just about sitting in a dark space and hoping and finding this like Zen space, you know, that meditation is, is sometimes just the act of recognizing that you have a lot going on in that moment and trying to quiet down all the voices. Because I think, you know, the limiting beliefs thing is really hard. I think a lot of times we're our own worst critic. There are so many voices in our head that tell us things daily that nobody else would ever even venture to say about ourselves or even think about ourselves. So some of it is self-work and self-growth of, you know, making sure that I am understanding what my limiting beliefs are and where they come from and what part of my life that, you know, I assign various limiting beliefs to myself. These are really interesting exercises. You know, all of that is really important to me. And also, even in my business, even though we are about movement, there's a huge back office end of what we do. You know, the administrative side of what we do is, is massive. And so there are days where I'm just behind a computer all day. And so for me, a lot of my problem solving comes even when I'm moving. So it may, maybe it's not in the studio, but like it could be, we're so lucky to live in South Florida, but it's just a walk on the beach by myself and I'm stuck. It could be stuck in a space or a problem or whatever it is. And I think through that problem as I walk. And that for me is very helpful. It's just like a, you got it. You have to figure out a way to tune out at some point. It will overwhelm you. There are an infinite number of problems that you can address in the day, but at some point you have to make a priority to your own wellness. And if you don't, you will be very burned out by the process. And I think if anybody who understands operations on any level will know this, it doesn't stop. You have to, if you're, you have to have boundaries, you want to have boundaries for your staff as well as yourself. You know, if you're saying, Hey guys, I'm not going to call you past this time. That's good. Then you need to respect that for yourself too. Right. So it's like putting the phone away when you're, you know, sitting with friends. And I know this stuff is really hard because I've gone through it because a lot of people don't understand how tough it is when you're doing all this stuff on your own and that you don't have the help that you do. So, you know, things happen at like seven, eight o'clock at night and then they start again at five in the morning and people don't understand what that grind is until they've gone through it. You know, brick and mortar is very different than an e-commerce business at times. So it's, you know, you have to, but you have to create boundaries for yourself. Otherwise, no one else will do it for you. And in the customer service business, if you let people, they will take advantage of like boundaries at times. And, and, and the, unfortunately, or fortunately, I love that we lived in a, in a much more rapid and, and fast world where people want responses much quicker and that we can get information to people much faster. I think it creates a lot of efficiency. But on the other end is like the days of like letting people know that you'll get back to them within 24 hours doesn't exist anymore. They want answers in real time about everything. But, you know, having those boundaries, let's even as simple as like, you know, any inquiry that happens after 9 p.m. will be answered, you know, at 8 a.m. or any like small little things to set boundaries for yourself and boundaries for your clients. And also like you need to, if you want to keep people long-term with you, even on the management level, you don't want people to get burned out and so burned out that they realize, you know, they have like a, a leader with no boundaries and that will call them at any hour of the day. You wouldn't, if you treat them like the boss or a leader that, you know, you wouldn't want to work with. It's it's just not fun to do that. And and part of the entrepreneurship journey is like something that a lot of people forget is it's hopefully it's supposed to be fun. You know, you want to have some fun doing it. And so you don't want to lose that in the process. It's a marathon. It's not always a sprint. You know, I think a lot of people see these sprints. They see big success. They see it happen fast. They say, what can happen to me? You know, but the truth is, if you actually unpack most people's success, it's 
things have been brewing for a long time to be able to get there. And maybe you're just seeing one hit, maybe you're seeing one pop, you're not seeing all the really tough days, you know, the blood, sweat and tears that most people go through that they don't, you know, where you don't understand certain things, but it's a marathon, you know, that's how I, I see it. And then if you want to, and, and, and it's a great goal to have something where you say, I have a goal, I'd like to exit the business within two years or whatever it might be, you might have a goal like that. And that's good, because then every action you do, or that you take out will be so hopefully in line with that goal. And then you can whittle out what's not urgent and what's not important. And that matrix becomes very important. What is urgent? What is important? If it's not urgent and not important, then it's not on my, I shouldn't even be dealing with it. You know, if it's like important, but not urgent, then maybe it can wait. You know, if it's urgent, but not important, you know, then, you know, again, maybe it can, maybe you can handle it, but maybe it's not, it's not the first thing on your radar. You know, you really have to decide, like, you have to begin to prioritize your life. Otherwise you'll get stuck in the rat race. I like how you said when you started that you like to listen to business stuff, you like to learn. And I spoke about this on a podcast with someone and you have to do what fills your cup. So some people like my husband, he likes to scroll on his phone. Now, some people say you should put your phone away, but for him, he likes to research and read. It just happens to be on his phone. He'll lower the resolution to make it like night or whatever. But that fills his cup. He's not on yeah. social media. He's not doing things that are maybe making him a little anxious. He likes to read. He likes to research things and that's good for him. So I think it's so key from what I've heard you say is basically find what works for you. And if listening to a podcast about business fills your cup, then that's what it is. To some people might be like, oh, but that's work to come on a podcast. But for you, you're like, but I like to spread the knowledge. I like to spread this and it fills my cup. So I think it's so key to find what works for you. And of course, course, 100%. I think we're almost there to where as a society, you know, you hear more of boundaries and the importance of mental health and really taking time for yourself and whatever that looks like. Again, each person is different, but I think those are our key levels to to be able to sustain at a certain level continuously. Yeah, and the podcasts and the, you know, the books and the stories about entrepreneurship, they, they humanize the experience. Because a lot of times when you hear about these stories, they seem so not ascertainable, you know, like, you know, I, how can this be me? You know, how can it just be me sitting in my room with this dream and, and this, you know, crazy vision, and this is what I want people to do. And I, this is what I want to do. It seems like it's a like this big, scary thing that you can't reach. And when you hear these stories, it's often, I, that's why I love to listen to the beginning of these stories. Cause I'm like, what? got this person ticking? Like, how did they end up where they were? How did they, you know, end up in the meeting that they were? How, you know, because some of it, there's a little, you know, Guy Raz always asks, like, how much of this is hard work and how much of it is luck? And everyone has, like, such a different, you know, disparate view of, like, how much is hard work and how much is it luck? It's a fun question to ask because it's funny how people view, you know, entrepreneurship in some way. The common theme is having the belief that, you know, you you yourself have the belief that you can get there. Because if you don't believe in yourself, I promise you there is nobody that can convince you by yourself if you don't believe in yourself that you can get. That belief has to come from within somewhere. It's our job to kind of quiet the other voices down that try to say, you know, but this and this and that and that and but this and but this. More and more, I just see it's like it's persistence and hard work. And sometimes it's also just letting go of something that isn't working for you. You know, and that's the hard part, right? Like letting go of something that isn't serving you, having the recognition that like, like, you know, I brought up finances and accounting in the very beginning of this podcast, but like having an accurate view of your numbers is very important and understanding what that means. You know, what does it mean to be like, what, it, what does it mean industry wise to be profitable, not profitable? Is it okay not to be profitable for how long should I not be profitable? You know, cause some businesses, you know, are billion dollar businesses and they're not profitable look at the industry standards, look at the metrics, look at where other people are at. Most likely somebody else is in your industry and you will have examples out there. And we're so lucky that we have so much information at our fingertips that we can look this stuff up. But, you know, I think we try to protect ourselves or hide certain things. But the more conversations I had with people and were open about, is this where I'm supposed to be, you know, like, how do I get to the next level? I realized more and more people help me too. It doesn't have, it can be a collaborative process. For, for the people that try to bring you down, I, I push those people away because they're they're not in my energy status and my stratosphere in the moment. But for the people that want to help and want to give me and it's and it's good to have those friends that give you honest advice, too. 
the real honest advice, the real honest feedback in a very productive and helpful way. I think that's really important. Aside from my podcast, I have what I call the motherhood village. But I think in life in general, you need to to have that village, whether it's within motherhood, whether it's in entrepreneurship, to have your core people that you know you can have honest conversations with, maybe getting a mentor, someone that's kind of been there or has some experience to be honest with you and say, look, you know, let me be real to have honest feedback, but to also be supportive. I think in the same space is so super important in in anything in life. Like I said, entrepreneurship, motherhood, in in your personal life with friends. So before we wind up here, I do want to ask, number one, how can my listeners contact you or connect with you? And then lastly, if you have any other final thoughts to my podcast community. So first of all, you can always take a look at our website at www.makeittremble.com. Um, we also have an Instagram handle that is make it tremble underscore. We have lots of fun content on there and we always highlight our instructors and we try to do a lot with the community. So feel free to connect that way. I also have a personal Instagram. It's um, my first name, Arian underscore my last name, Rashad, R-A-S-H-E-D underscore. And I'm always easily accessible on there. Also, my email, Arian at makeittremble.com is an easy way to access me as well. And then also just, you know, I think the main thing is, is something that I mentioned earlier is like thinking about your why and thinking about your legacy and thinking about something bigger and then realizing that like this entrepreneurship dream is not just about you. It's about something bigger, some way, some way of reaching community, some way of making impact. And if your way of making impact is to make money, I understand that as well, because sometimes you need money to make impact. That's very true too. There's a way to do both. There's a way to, you know, self-sustain yourself and, you know, live the life that you want to. And there's all, and, and simultaneously to give back to the community at large, you know, my the vehicle that I use was Pilates. I love what I do. I love the workout. I believe in the system. I believe in everything about it. But truthfully, it's it's not a really I and I love the modality, but truthfully, it's not really about, you know, how many calories you're burned, what you look like on a certain given day. It's really just we want to we want to make you realize it's about how it makes you feel, how it makes you go about the rest of your life, how you show up as a person, how you show up as a human, how you show up as a mother, how you show up as a daughter you know, how you show up as a human is, is so important to the tremble ethic. And so in anything that you do, you know, from fitness to fulfillment to whatever it might be, you know, think about a purpose that's, that's greater for than yourself to be able to thrust this into a greater space. Because if you're able to change the community, then you've already made a big difference and you've already made a significant impact to society and to life. And that's really what it's about at the end of the day. I love that. Thank you so much, Ariane, for coming on, for sharing your story. Continued blessings to you for love and light with Tremble and making the impact. And hopefully, you know, 2023, 2024, I'll see you in a a Fort Lauderdale. I love that. Yes. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for joining me this week on the Mamas Know Best We Got Something to Say podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, NGC Consulting, where you can find them at NicoleGConsulting.com. For more motherhood resources, check out TheMotherhoodVillage.com. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you'll never miss an episode. And if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or recommendation to a friend works too. And join us next time for an another amazing conversation. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.